loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia Friday, only on Fox News Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. We're here with you on 1180 AM and broadcasting real time at 1180WFYL.com. Coming to you straight from the birthplace of liberty here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we continue to fight day in and day out as your voice of freedom in the Delaware Valley. I'm attorney Mike Giramita from Giramita Law Offices, but everybody knows me as Mike G. And you're listening to Mike G. in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So let's be heard. I want to remind our listeners about the action they can jump in on the remainder of the week with WFYL. We've got the Ben Shapiro Show coming at you weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Scott Adams with the Scott Adams Show weekdays, 9 a.m. until noon. Second Amendment advocate Dana Lash comes on weekdays, 1 p.m. until Ben Shapiro. And finally, we've got Michael Savage bringing you the Savage Nation for two whole hours, weekdays at 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune in and show him some love. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. We've got a lot to talk about today. We will not be discussing the broom challenge, as I promised. But I want to talk a little bit more about this coronavirus situation and how it's playing out on the world stage. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, Mike, this isn't really such a big deal. People aren't dying from the coronavirus. People are dying from complications one way or another, similarly to the flu. But I think there's a bigger issue we're looking at here. What are we learning from this about communism in China? Something horrible but telling has been happening here. We are seeing China a communist country, handle a public health crisis. And it's unfolding in front of our very eyes. And in the age of social media, it's really hard to hide what's going on over there. They're trying as best as they can, trying to fudge numbers, not participate in studies. But as they say, you can run, but you can't hide. We've all seen the horror, people dying because they don't have enough doctors or enough room for the amount of people infected, long lines around the block, crowds of people waiting. But then we also see this footage where teams of men are ripping people out of their cars and forcing them to surrender right there on the street. You know, at first it seems like they're targeting those who are suspected to have coronavirus. And they're entering your car and they're ripping you out of your car, 
putting you on your hands and knees, even if you aren't resisting, to tying your hands behind your back, punching and kicking people in the face. You know, multiple men. Bunch of guys on one small, petite woman. It seems they have these police-like teams patrolling and looking for people who might be infected. Kicking, arresting, herding them up, hitting them with metal sticks, putting them in a van. And no one knows what happens to them after they're thrown into that van. Nobody knows what happens after they get kicked, beaten on camera. Now, even if they're saying this is for the safety of the public, right? <laughs> That's always how the government puts it, it's for the safety of the public. The way they're handling it, hurting people in brutal ways, rounding people up, this is something you will only see in a communist or dictator-run country. This is not a free country, folks. Not even close. It's hard to watch from afar. Can you imagine if this was your family member? This is what happens when the government takes over. This very thing. You know, we can speculate. We can wonder. We can even ask, but we don't know. We don't know why this is happening. And I can almost guarantee the citizens over there, well, they're just as blind to it as we are. But I want to talk a little bit about health care in a communist country. It's a nightmare. That's your hint. It's a nightmare. You know, people are praising God if they get to the United States for doctors and our health care system. We see stories of ships docking in the United States. And the people's first reaction is, I'm just so happy to be in the United States for access to the United States healthcare system. Well, it's at its best. It is the best for now. You know, Obamacare was the start of the downfall. Yes, we still have the best doctors in the world. But what do you think will happen if we let socialism take over? and overhaul our system. You know, we all know someone who lost a doctor from Obamacare. I certainly do. Mrs. G lost her doctor. We all heard if you like your doctor, you can keep him. Oh, unless we decide your doctor isn't covered under this forced policy where we put a gun to your head and make you pay for it. Then no, not in that case. Or unless the government-run health agency decides that your problem isn't covered under their policy. Yes, their policy, not yours. And don't mistake anything the government gives you as yours. It will never be yours. In those cases, then no, you wouldn't be covered for that doctor. I remember sitting there in the waiting room. Mrs. G finally found the doctor she liked after all these years in a new state. And we're sitting there after we've got this forced health care policy. Never missed a premium. They say, oh, we're not included in the plan you were forced to buy. What the heck is that? 
Have you heard stories in these socialist countries where they have to wait months for an MRI? Months! Because the government deems it unnecessary? They are literally telling you what you can and can't do. If you have a spine problem and you're crippled on the floor, you can eat and drink, but you're crippled on the floor. It's not an emergency to them. But it is to you in order to live at least a decent life. They do not care, folks. Do you know how hard it is to talk to normal healthcare companies? Do you have any idea? Give you a little inside baseball here. The Mrs. G had an issue. And attorney Mike G had to spend days, not hours, days, on the phone with these people. Denying stuff over and over again that was proven to be medically necessary. Proven. Time and time again. And this is somebody who, thank God, had an attorney for a husband who could sacrifice all day sitting there yelling at people, threatening to sue everybody in the entire company. What happens to these people who don't have that luxury? What happens to these people? I'll tell you what happens. They throw their hands up in the air. They say it's not going to happen. It's not going to work out for me. I guess the premiums I pay every single month when my check clears is just free money to these insurance companies. You think it's going to get better? Can you imagine if you had to call a government hotline to get your procedure approved? You got to be kidding me. Most people can't just pay flat out privately for health care. So no matter how good your doctor is, if you can't get something approved or deemed necessary, it doesn't matter because you can't see the doctor. Imagine this being in the government's hands. And what people are failing to understand, what this younger generation, these Bernie bros, is that socialism is the platform for communism. Socialism is the stepping stone for communism. Why do we care about communism? You might be sitting there thinking, why do you care? We're so far from communism. Why even bring it up? Well, when we slowly relinquish more and more control to our government, what do you think that'll lead to? In a communist country, everything put out to the public is from state-run media, approved by their communist government. So the people don't have access to information. The government's able to lie about what's actually going on and tell the story however they see fit with no dispute allowed. You think it's bad over here? They control everything. And that is communism. So I asked the Democrats over here, what do you think the platform is for communism. I'll tell you what it is. It's socialism. Here in America, we have millions of voters feeling the burn. You know, it sounds lighthearted and harmless. Like just another Democratic candidate. Right? Wrong! Let's look at what we're actually up against here, folks. 
He proudly uses the word socialism in his campaigning. His supporters proudly use the word socialism when they talk about him. And they say they support it. The other Democratic candidates fight him on the nuances and the details. And they skirt over the topic of socialism itself. But they know they also have to appeal to the far left because they truly support socialism. And most of them seem to support a socialist healthcare system. And that's without exception. Raise your hand up on the debate stage. I even got to admit, wiping away my student loan debt as an attorney with major, major student loan debt, law school debt we're talking about here. I got to admit, sometimes it sounds pretty enticing when you first hear about it. Free healthcare too, right? Free college. A cell phone for everyone. Wake up, people. Nothing's free. What do you think you'll have to trade or give away and give up for these free offers? A right here, right? We'll take that right from you. A right there. Absolutely. With every free giveaway from Mr. Bernie Sanders, I can assure you there is something that will be taken away. Whether it's the right to choose your own health care, to choose your doctor, choose when you need it, where you get it, and college. <laughs> what kind of professors you think the government will allow us to have? Again, people, you think it's bad now? And what will they allow them to teach? The Constitution, that's going to be allowed? Give me a break. You really think the government's going to take over and not implement their own rules? Let me not even get started on the Second Amendment. I don't even want to go there. And once they take that away, well, I think we know how that movie ends. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the Morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, I want everybody to understand that they get you by making this stuff sound beautiful. They lure you in with this free health care, free college, all in a nice little package. Given right to you, right? Sounds great. Yes, I get these things for free. But when you examine it, take a look at what it really looks like, it comes with other rights being taken away. Period. Your gun rights, taken away. Your right to choose what kind of health care you get, taken away. People waiting out there for months for an MRI, crawling on the floor in excruciating pain, waiting on the government to have any sort of quality of life. But the government's going to tell you what you can do, what you can't do, and if you can do it, when you can do it. But oh, they're going to pay for your college and health care. What does that actually look like? Do you think it's that simple? They're just going to wipe away your college debt? They'll just wipe away your student loans? I don't think so.
I wonder what kind of tuition they'll actually pay for. I bet they'd prefer bias. Pro-socialism professors. Is that where you want to get your education? I know many teachers and professors who right now can't dare to say they support Trump because of the environments that's going around in academia right now. But you bet they can say they support Democratic candidates. Loud and proud, they could say they support a socialist. No backlash. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. These so-called free offers are going to come with a lot of baggage. That I can promise you. So maybe you'll have a free iPhone, quote-unquote free. But I guarantee you'll be trading in some other freedom for that. Freedom of speech? They're going to choose everything for you, folks. We don't see people escaping the United States to sneak over to Venezuela, do we? We don't see a caravan making its way over there, do we? You know, my wife has been watching these North Korea documentaries lately while she's laid up recovering. She's really into them, so I've been watching too. I gotta say, they're interesting. So we have socialism being presented here in the United States. And you look at communism, you look at dictatorships like North Korea. And if you're someone in these countries, does it really feel all that different? The Chinese government controls what you do. They watch you, and so does North Korea. That should scare you folks. To not want to go anywhere near going down this path. But back to the documentary, they control everything from where you live, what you wear, your haircut. I would hate to have to have <laughs> Kim Jong-un's haircut. But they choose your haircut. They choose what you could get at the grocery store, if there's even anything at the grocery store. You got to take the labels off your drinks if it's an enemy of the state. You can't have the internet. You got to take pictures in the right way. You have to mourn and cry the right way. You have to smile and appear to be happy in certain situations the right way. They control how you stand in pictures. How you bow when you visit their special facilities to honor their leaders, their eternal supreme leaders. They control what job you do. They even control whether you have hope or not. They have two types of camps. One with hope, where they continue to try to re-brainwash you at their regime. And one where you have no hope. It's dark. There's no signage. These are people prisoned. These are people who are in prison for life. You don't get to see their beloved Kim Jong-un and the state-run history lessons. I mean, talk about freedom of religion. You aren't allowed to pray to God. You're forced to go to their leaders as the ones who can overcome everything. Their eternal supreme leaders of the government, that's their God. That's forced on you. Is it something we as Americans can even wrap our heads around when you think about it?
Well, I'll tell you what. Half the country's thrilled about going down the socialist path. Where does that lead to? We know the ending. It's not a good one. Please get yourself and your loved ones informed before blindly following Bernie Sanders or any socialist candidate. And that's why freedom lovers are fighting so hard for President Trump. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, talking about this North Korea business, censorship, freedom of speech, reminds me of what's going on in sports today and really kind of linked to China in some respect. I don't know if anybody's seen this, but apparently Aubrey Huff, he was banned from coming to the San Francisco Baseball Giants World Series reunion because he was shown on Twitter supporting President Trump. That's what he claims. This sounds a lot to me like North Korea. In North Korea, you must show support to their government at all times. But over here, if you show any support for the president of the United States, you get kicked to the curb. Over there, you got to follow a strict schedule 24-7, 365. You got to be praising the government at all times. Over here, you show one morsel of respect. You're not invited to the World Series reunion. We better fight hard against this mentality. You know, our forefathers, in my opinion, fought way too hard for this for us to give it up now. But I want to take a look at another tweet that he said, Aubrey Huff. I want to read it out loud because a lot of people are saying that this might be the basis for him not being allowed over there. And Philly Chris is here with us in studio. I want to get your take on this in just a little bit. It says, getting my boys trained up on how to use a gun in the unlikely event at Bernie Sanders beats at real Donald Trump in 2020. In which case, knowing how to effectively use a gun under socialism will be a must. By the way, most of the headshots were there. <laughs> at NRA, at WatchChad, hashtag Second Amendment. Chris, what do you think about that tweet? Well, Mike, you know, I, I think it's really a, a sign of the times. And uh, I think in uh, you know a lot of ways, it's good that people are being a little bit more vocal about what's going on right now. You know, a lot of the things you were talking about earlier with uh, North Korea and the situation over there and, you know, what's happening here and how people are being penalized, it seems like, especially on the other side of the fence for comments they're making um, about different topics. And it's really not right when we have the First Amendment, of course, the, the Second Amendment. Uh, it, you know, it also reminds me a bit about uh, the situation, the NBA coach, uh, Steve Kerr, and uh, his comment, you know, right. about AR-15s, right? Right. I uh, wanted to talk about that. Russ, do you have that clip pulled up? I do. Here we go. Um, it has not come up in terms of people asking me about it, uh, people discussing it. Um, no. Nor has uh, our record of um, human rights abuses come up either, you know, um, things that our country needs to look at and resolve. Um, that hasn't come up either. So none of us are perfect. And we all have uh, different issues that we have to get to. And saying that is my right as an American doesn't mean that I hate my country. It means I want to address things, right? But people in China didn't ask me about, uh, 
you know, people owning AR-15s and mowing each other down in a mall. I wasn't asked that question. So we can play this game all we want and go all over the map and, you know, there's this issue and that issue and um, the world is a complex place and there's more gray than black and white. Yeah, you know, I'm, thanks for playing that, Mike uh, and Russ. You know, it's crazy to hear that because he's uh, just directly associating the use of an AR-15, which is a completely legal firearm, as we both know, to mass shootings, and the people that own them are going to run out and do that, which right, is right. ridiculous. They, they're so, inextricably yeah. bound, right? right. You can't right. own an AR-15. Uh -huh. You can't own any any type of firearm and not be somebody who goes up and shoots up a mall. And it's really a cop-out is what it is mm -hmm. because the NBA doesn't want to acknowledge any of the human rights violations over in China. They don't want to acknowledge that this is what happens under communism, period. Right. There's a lot of money to be made for these people over there. And they're a bunch of woke hypocrites, right? These leftist hypocrites who want to call out all these American problems that are uniquely American, right? Mm -hmm. With, right. with uh, people wanting to own firearms and people supporting our Second Amendment. Yet they don't. They want to tiptoe around anything that happens under these communist countries because there's money for them to lose, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so thankful you went over what's going on in China with the coronavirus because this is a perfect example of what can happen. Right, Mike? It, I mean, it, it can. It ties in perfectly. Yeah. It ties in perfectly. Uh, but these guys, they, they, they're so leftist that I think Tony brought it up one time. He said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so if they're the enemy, if these communists are the enemy of Trump and, and freedom, right. then they, they'll be friends with them. That's yeah, what it comes yeah. down to. And that, that's what it came down. That's why they have these people defending terrorists. It blows my mind. Yeah, it's... having defending terrorists on the air, right? We we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have done that. They wouldn't defend the terrorist because Donald Trump was the one who carried it out. Right. Keep everybody happy. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, I've spoken on this program about a lot of the mail that I get with respect to this program. Spoken about how a lot of people have written in many nice things, but we also get our share of hate mail. <laughs> That's how you know you're doing something right. I've got to share this one with everybody. I, I can't resist. I can't resist. Sometimes I try to take the high road, be the bigger man. Mm -hmm. Can't do it with this one. You ready? You didn't tell me about it. I'm excited to hear it. Yo, let's give it a go. Mike, I've been listening to your show since the beginning when you filled in for Laura Loomer. I have always looked forward to listening on Friday mornings. I usually sit with my morning coffee and wait to hear your take on different topics of the day. Sounds nice so far. Mm -hmm. My favorite part was always that you had an intelligent take on things that were different than the mainstream media, which I have always found to be slanted left. That's true. But lately, things are different. Since the end of last year, the show has changed. Now you're being too funny. I can no longer look forward to listening to your show for thought-provoking content. Please stop doing the funny things on the show and go back to the old format or I'll have to look for a new show 
that makes me use my brain. <laughs> That's the end of the letter. What a skunk! Uh-oh. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'll, I'll tell you this. Too funny. Too funny. <laughs> I bet that person sounds like they're a real blast to be around, right? Yeah. I, I'd love to, to spend an evening at a party with that person who wrote that. You know, I, I, will, I will say this. That person who wrote that in is probably some skunk leftist liberal. <laughs> well, that's doesn't listen to the yeah. show at all. Uh-huh, they don't listen uh-huh. to the program at all. You don't like the show? Guess what? You can change the channel. Right. This ain't North Korea. <laughs> this isn't the government broadcasting mm-hmm. one channel. Hey, this person goes out there. You know what? I think the problem is this. You got some skunk liberal out there mm-hmm. who thinks that Democrats have a monopoly on comedy, right? Uh, we're not, way, we're yeah. not allowed to be funny at all. I, I'll tell you this. I've got a, a friend of mine, good friend of mine. He's actually a Democrat, but he's a, he's a professional comedian and a very mm-hmm. successful professional comedian in California. And one of his biggest gripes is that today comedians – think they can go on stage and say, I don't like Donald Trump or I hate Republicans and that's the end of their set. They believe that that's all they have to do. Uh, You see shows like Saturday Night Live, right? Constantly picking on the president, picking on Republicans, and there's nothing on the right that even resembles that, is there? We don't see any conservative comedy. Well, guess what, you skunk who wrote in? (laughs) Leftists don't have a monopoly on comedy. And you know what? I'll try to consider being more serious and thoughtful in the future. So maybe, maybe they do have a point. And with that, check out this interview from Snowflake Snowflakington. Snowflake Snowflakington here. And I'm here with my pal, Sammy the Socialist. Oh, hi, everybody. And we're back in the studio and we're taking calls from all of the universe. We're going to take a call now. It looks like we've got a caller on the line. We've got a special caller calling in. Do we have you? Welcome to the Snowflake Snowflakington program. Howdy, Snowflake. This is Dr. Wilford Wilson. My friends call me Snakes, but, well, you're not my friend, so you can call me Dr. Wilson. Okay, Dr. Wilson, what is, what is on your mind? What's bugging you today? You know, you snowflakes are driving me nuts. You think you're all special and unique. You come up with this whole bag of bees for self-defense. I cornered the market on using exotic animals for self-defense years ago. You did? What kind of exotic animals do you use for self-protection? I think it's a very unique idea. I should get a trophy, too. No one gets trophies unless you win, and I won. (laughs) My idea was to use snakes for self-defense. I even went to the University of Mumbai in India to get my doctorate in snakeology. Uh, snakes, can I call you snakes? Uh, you said your friends call you snakes, right, snakes? My friends do call me snakes, but you are not my friend either, so you can also call me Dr. Wilson. All right, thank you, snakes. I was just curious if um, the snakes are dangerous. Are snakes dangerous? The ones well, you have. Only in the hands of people who want to misuse them. Um, I don't think you're being very nice to the snakes. The snakes are not people. They are subhuman creatures that we can use for our own purposes and desires. So, Dr. Snakes, can I just call you Dr. Snakes? It's sort of a blend between the formal and the informal. Well, I guess so. I We're mean, all friends here. Kind of annoying me, but we'll go with it. So, 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 Dr. Snakes, I've got a question for you. Uh, what is the origins of the way of the tactical snake, so to speak? You say this has been around for a long time. This is the first I'm hearing of this. 
was that in some states there are oppressive government regimes that do not allow people to carry firearms to protect themselves like good red-blooded Americans like where I'm from in Texas. So I came up with a product as a way for these poor, helpless people to defend themselves. We call it Cobra in a Can. Cobra in a Can? Cobra in a Can. That's just, you definitely ripped off the bag of bees. This is total theft and copyright infringement and something like that. Unfortunately, if you might have done some research and applied some critical thinking, you would have known that this product has been around for a lot longer than yours. So if anyone is infringing on copyrights, it's me. And you know what? As a matter of fact, in this great American legal system we have, I think I might sue you, and it'll make me even richer. Oh, pretty please don't sue me. I'm going to have to get a box of tissues and go into the crying room here at WFYL. Tell me you're not going to sue me, Dr. Snakes. Well, this is a banner day. Anytime I can make a liberal cry, that just makes my day. I'm going to take some bag of bees and throw them all over your snakes if you sue me. Well, you could, but the snakes can kind of act like armor. The bees would have no effect. And then I would just have my snake stick his poisonous fangs right into your skin. Well, not our new personalized bees. You haven't heard about those. They're, They're snake they killers. special attack bees. We train them specifically to kill snakes. Well, I'm willing to roll the dice, guys, and I'll bet it comes up snake eyes. <laughs> How about we set up a special match where we get together in what they call the OK Corral. I'll bring my bag of bees, you bring your stinking stupid cobra in a can, and we could see who's the real man. Sounds exciting. Well, I think the OK Corral thing happened a while ago with some actual real good red-blooded Americans unlike yourselves, but... I'm always down for a good throwdown. Hey, red-blooded Americans, what is that even supposed to mean? You know, just because we understand well, that the rest of the world is better than America and that people shouldn't own guns and that you should only use a bag of bees against evil, stupid billionaire men doesn't mean that we're not American. This is crazy well, snakes. there is where we disagree, sir. And despite the fact that I know you are absolutely wrong and your point could not be more ridiculous... Unlike your side, I will still treat you with respect, even though we disagree. Well, because you're treating with me with respect and you are a doctor. You are a doctor, aren't you? I thought you weren't even I our friend. Well, I, I should have asked him whether he was a real doctor before I let him examine me. But Dr. Wilson... Check it out on the Google machine. I have an SND. It's a doctorate <laughs> in snakeology. I'm, I'm sure you do. I don't want to offend you or insult you because I understand that people cry when they get insulted. So, Dr. Snakes, I have a question. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how to properly use st- tactical snakes and the cobra in a can? Well, it's quite simple, frankly. Whenever you are just going about your business, doing good old American things, not bothering anybody, and somebody comes up and they wish to do you harm, you simply deploy the tactical snake. We have a couple models. You have the snake that you can carry in a holster, which gives you quick, rapid access. You grab it by the tail, and you just instruct it to strike at whatever the potential threat may be. Or you can use the cobra in a can, which is a little bit safer, although it does slightly delay the access to the snake. In that case, you have to peel the lid off the can, point the can at the potential offender, And as the angry snake flies out of the can, it attacks the person wishing to hurt you. 
Now, Dr. Wilson, or Dr. Snakes, whatever you prefer to be called. Uh, well, I happens? prefer to be called Dr. Wilson, so I still don't like you. So I'll, I'll call you Dr. Snakes. So, Dr. Snakes, <laughs> what happens when the bad guys get a hold of the, the cobra and the can and the tactical snakes? Then what do we do? Well, fortunately, we also sell anti-venom. When you buy a tactical snake from us, we give you a vial of anti-venom. And what happens is if someone would, you know, let's say potentially use an attack snake on you, you just hit yourself with a little bit of anti-venom, kind of like one of them EpiPens, you're good to go. And you can just keep on fighting back. Using your own tactical snakes. Yeah, of course. Now, Who else snake would you use but your own? But but shouldn't you shouldn't we have more tactical snake laws in this country? I mean, if you got to get a license to drive, shouldn't you have to have a license in order to get a tactical snake? There should at least be some but sort of background check. Done, you liberals are done trying to ruin this country. The only reason I had to invent this product was because you outlawed the guns that people use to defend themselves. Yeah, but now the Y'all criminals the are using tactical snakes. snakes. The problem. You got some issues. In the old days, all the bad people were using guns, so then we made them illegal and they all just went away and there was no more crime. And then you had to invent the stupid tactical snake, and now people are using tactical snakes for bad things, so we need to make those illegal too and all the crime will go away. So what I'm proposing right now is some just simple, common sense snake Laws. I want everybody to participate in a tactical snake registry. If everybody will just go in and register their tactical snakes, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Well, son, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, I think you got your facts a little bit out of alignment. When the good guys gave up their guns, the bad guys just kept hurting the good guys even more frequently because the good guys couldn't defend themselves. And let me tell you what, boy, if you think for one second that I am going to any government office and showing them my snake and letting them register it, you got another thing coming. Well, it sounds like you've uh, put a lot of thought into this. Uh, You know, it it sounds very uh, scary and crazy, and I feel a little bit concerned about the snake and all. But do you have semi-automatic snakes? Because it sounds kind of fun, too. Like, do you have multiple cans on your belt system there? Like, how does that work if there's multiple attackers? Well— What we do is we have multiple chambers in the can. So if you feel like there's more than one attacker, you can open one chamber at a time while you're pointing the can in the direction of that bad guy. And then if there's another bad guy, you can just open another chamber in the can. Or what you can really do if you really want to be prepared is you can just open the whole can and let a bunch of snakes come out at the bad guy and just carry a couple of cans. I mean, I don't think there's any laws against carrying multiple packs of Cobra in a can like those are magazine restrictions that y'all put on firearms. So if you want to carry like 10 cans with 25 Cobras each and you want to carry 250 Cobras around on your belt, well, then go for it. So that's why I'm calling on all of the listeners of the Snowflakes, No Flakington program to write your congressman and ask them to institute a common sense Cobra in a can capacity ban. We want to restrict the capacity of Cobras that you can carry and the amount of chambers they can have in the can. You boys are too much. I'll tell you what. You are a bunch of ridiculous people. That's absolutely outrageous. 
So first, no one can actually defend themselves with like a real self-defense tool. I come up with a plan B, and y'all want to run that out of business too. What happens if you're getting assaulted by a bunch of gang members all hopped up on LSD, and your one or two snakes ain't enough? Well, you just sound like the, the people over at the NSA, the National Snake Association, and your lobbyists with your big money going to the government and pushing all your tactical snakes on people. Yeah, most people don't want well, snakes. Well, you know what? I got news for you, boy. I started the NSA because I made a bundle of money off of this, and I sleep on a mattress stuffed with $100 bills. What's your address? <laughs> Why? So you can rob me just like all the other liberals? No, we just think that it, it would not. be fair for you to share because in socialism, when people have a mattress filled with $100 bills, they just yeah. share it with everybody else. Right. They just pay their fair share. That's all. We it, think that you need to pay your that's fair the share. Great thing about American boys, there ain't no socialism around here. This is all my money. And I'll tell you what, if you come and you try to rob my house, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you my address. I think all there's the listeners should get part of it, too. There's some inside the mattress with the hundred dollar bills if you're willing to roll the dice and take on the snakes that guard my money you're more than welcome to well we'll, we'll probably go over tonight then maybe you want to go tonight i don't know it sounds pretty scary but dr wilson i think we should set up our match at the dok corral and we should donate all the money to charity we'll be in touch with you about that shortly i want to thank you very much if by charity you mean when my snake wins i get all the money then yes that doesn't sound like charity. You're you're an evil capitalist, aren't you? You've never even been our friend the whole time, Dr. Snakes. Again, Dr. Wilson, you're not my friend. Well, Dr. Wilson Snakes, I want to thank you for being on That's the program. Better. As much as we have differences, I understand that you're still a human being, and I, I want to commend you for calling us up. Well, anytime you want someone on that has half a brain, give me a call. Sure will. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by today. Y'all have a good night now. Cobra in a can. Howdy, everybody. Dr. Wilford Snakes Wilson here on behalf of Cobra in a can. Do you live in a liberal cesspool where the criminals are running rampant and have no way to defend yourself because they've done outlawed firearms for law-abiding gun owners? Well, we've got the solution for you. Cobra in a can. Whenever one of those dirtbags decides that they want to attack you or your family, you just bust out your cobra in a can, open the can, and direct that there venomous cobra right at your attacker. And boys, let me tell you what. These snakes pack a punch. They are highly venomous, and I have never seen one of them fail to expand like one of them evil hollow point bullets that the government outlawed. Now, just remember, guys, there are other products like this. I'm not going to mention them by name, but just remember, don't ever bring a bee to a snake fight. To get your own personal Cobras, call 1-800-COBRA-IN-A-CAN. Again, that's 1-800-COBRA-I-N-A-C-A-N. Definitely way too many numbers this time, but trust us, it'll work. But wait, there's more. If you call in the next 15 minutes, we will send you a free bee-proof vest for your Cobra. This vest is 100% guaranteed to be sting-resistant, but has not been tested. Operators are standing by. Cobra in a can. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. Only on Fox News Radio. WFYL. You know, Chris, we've heard a lot about Mike Bloomberg in the news lately. He's gotten himself into some more hot water, hasn't he? 
He's, uh, you know, making his own deplorable comments. He sure is. You know what my favorite thing about Bloomberg has been so far, though, is Trump was doing this interview and he says something along the lines of, well, Bloomberg is asking for unfair treatment because he wants to stand on a box during the debates. Did you hear this? I, I think I might have seen a little video clip, but I wasn't exactly hysterical. sure. Yeah, Absolutely hysterical right. because he's making it like he's not insulting him for his height. He makes it like he's making a point about this guy doesn't want to play by the rules and he wants unfair treatment. Right, but all anybody right. hears is Bloomberg wants to stand on a box and you picture the guy standing on a box. It is hysterical. That's classic Trump right there. But Bloomberg did absolutely make his own deplorable style comment. I believe it happened long before he intended on running. But Russ, you've got that clip. Why don't you go ahead and hit that clip? And we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you had 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank in the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. One point. 98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology. And the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different you have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray map. What a moron. Wow. I think we're uh, going to laugh a little too you much again. You have to be kidding. Uh, <laughs> to say that you just put stuff in the ground and you water it, it grows. It's like saying, oh, you know, how hard is golf, right? right, it's, right. it's a piece of cake. You mm -hmm. just you take the stick and you hit the little white thing and you put it in the hole. How hard yeah. could it be, right? I, I've seen Phil Nicholson and Taco Woods. You get yeah. an 18, right? Hey, you're playing bad. Just put the ball in the hoop. How hard could it be? Simple. Uh, what, what now, a ridiculous. Now, hang on. Hang on there, Mike, because... He said no offense, so and, and he, he said no offense, so it's not, it's magically not offensive, even though he followed it up by something offensive. It's not offensive. Well, Russ, no offense, but he's a moron, okay? <laughs> oh, that, that's okay. That's not offensive. He might need a little more of that gray matter he was talking about, I think. Don't worry. You know, this is perfect. We've got an excellent guest on the line with us. We've got Matt Carey, who is the owner of Surrey Mountain Farms in New Hampshire, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about what's going on in farming today. Matt, are you with us? Hey, good morning. How are you guys? We're great. Thank you so much for joining us. I know Philly Chris uh, did us the honors and set this up and everything. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your experience in farming? Uh, well, farming uh, has pretty much been in my family for uh, well over 100 years uh, on uh, the same, same piece of land. We've been farming the same land uh, since 1913. My great-grandfather uh, purchased the farm. And uh, so we're uh, the fifth generation uh, to be you know, farming the same land, same soil, same fields. Um, so, you know, definitely it's been passed down you know, for generations in my family. And is it as simple as you put stuff in the ground and you water it and it grows? Is that it? <laughs> I mean, that's the general concept, but uh, <laughs> definitely uh, not... Uh, 
all there is to it. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of planning that goes into it. It's a year long experience, um, you know, starting from, well, in New Hampshire, we have a fairly short growing season, but, um, you know, a lot of uh, farmers that, that do it for a living, they start growing indoors in greenhouses or indoors. Um, and uh, so that starts uh, right about now in, you know, February, March, uh, <clears throat> the indoor growing season starts. And then eventually in uh, May, uh, around Labor Day, they uh, start uh, planting outdoors. And, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes into the uh, preparing the soil and, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of uh, upkeep of the landscape, uh, not just with the soil itself, but the landscape around the farm, uh, you know, especially if you have livestock and, uh, you know, d- d- where they're positioned around the farm. Uh, we actually don't have animals on our farm. We just produce. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of planning that goes into it, and it's, it's a year-long event um it's not just a matter of putting seeds in the ground now bloomberg's Um, a special kind of moron for those comments but do you think that generally there is some kind of disconnect between average people in let's say more urban areas i know bloomberg's over in new york but do you think that there is a disconnect between people in these highly urbanized areas uh, and farmers and people who actually grow this stuff uh, definitely there's a disconnect and, you know, unfortunately most people, um, you know, who live in, in bigger cities, uh, live on, uh, you know, their eating habits are when they're hungry, it's like basically, okay, where am I going to go now to buy a meal that's already prepared for me? You know, there's, there's mm. a, not just a disconnect with farming, but mm. a disconnect in where your food comes from in, in general, um, you know, in the, in the larger metropolitan areas uh, where people live in, you know, high rise apartments, less and less people, obviously there's nowhere to grow food, but less and less people even buy fresh produce that they buy ingredients that they have in their home that they make food with. Um, You know, it's uh, really become a, 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 you know, one serving type uh, type situation when it comes to food. Whereas, you know, the farther out you go <clears throat> into the rural areas uh, and up to into, you know, farm country, a lot of people still do grow their own food and uh, grow food that's sold locally in the community. So people are eating fresh vegetables um, you know, that are grown locally. Now, Matt, in my experience, if there's a disconnect among the people, there's usually a disconnect in Washington. And I want to ask you, has the federal government uh, got more and more involved in farming over the over the years? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, over the last several decades, but uh, definitely it has accelerated uh, within the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, nowadays, especially with small farms, farms like like in my family that uh, basically started off with my great grandparents when they ran this farm they weren't full-time farmers. They had, uh, you know, jobs uh, that they went to during the day and, and then they farmed after work, you know, well after dark. Uh, <clears throat> the kids also, they had, you know, a bunch of kids and they all helped out on the farm as well. Um, nowadays where you have people that are, that have small farms, some of them have been passed down in their families where all they do is farming. And if they don't have any type of outside income, 
or you know a steady job or something that pays their taxes and pays their mortgage and pays for the cost of farming if they don't have that and all they're doing is farming unfortunately the farmers uh, you know incur the biggest cost and they make the least amount off of the produce that they make so in other words for them to get their produce to market they have to go through a third or fourth party to do that whether it be a co-op or a farmer's market or selling into the local grocery store. Um, you know, some of, some of the smaller farms have farm stands, but that's, you know, typically uh, one of the hardest and at least profitable uh, ways of selling produce. But <clears throat> when you have that many hands in it, the farmer actually makes the least amount of money. And to compensate that, the government, and I know that, uh, you know, Trump just recently signed a big, huge uh, farm bill you know, the government for, for decades now, but like I said, it's more, more accelerated within the last 10 years or so. Um, they are really big into, you know, grant programs where they will offer grants to small farmers, uh, basically to keep them afloat and help pay their bills. And, uh, you know, what happens is those farms over time just become completely indebted uh, to grants and loans uh, from federal government programs, farm programs, where, uh, you know, a lot of them, actually, I won't say a lot of them, but some of them, a good amount of them, uh, end up losing their farms in the mm. end because they don't end up making any profit. Uh, it ends up costing them more to farm than the amount of profit that they make. Uh, it's just, a, it's kind of a backward system. Uh, you know, whereas the model that my great grandparents have and what we're trying to do with our farm is that, uh, you know, for instance, we now currently we don't rely on our farming uh, to pay for the farm or to pay for our mortgage or our taxes. We actually have, uh, you know, steady full time job uh, that pays all of our bills and the farming is more of uh, a large glorified uh, hobby farm, if you will. Uh, we grow enough vegetables for our family uh, to eat and uh, and store and uh, we also have a surplus that uh, we actually donate uh, we're all 100 percent donation now and we donate that into a couple of uh, vendors in town that they sell it uh, at whatever price they want uh, but it's the model that we're trying to uh, adopt to because you know for so long the farmers have been uh, kind of jaded and, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of them are, are pushed right off their property in the end. You know, they can't afford to pay their taxes uh, or their mortgage. Um, you know, they uh, basically the, the grants and the loans that they're getting uh, from the federal government basically barely cover their expenses. And like I said, they don't really make any profit. Uh, by getting their produce to market. So if these farms ultimately go under and we see a lot of them disappearing around the country, what's the future for food in this country? Well, unfortunately, I I really think that uh, this has been kind of a movement for a long time. And to me, it just seems like a major land grab. Um, you know, it's like the next major land grab um, in this country. And uh, if you think about it, you know, the people who own large tracts of land still in this country uh, privately are farmers. You know, you don't really see a whole lot of, uh, you know, people that uh, just, you know, work in an office uh, or work in the corporate world unless they're, you know, the super wealthy. 
the average person doesn't own large tracts of land that they pay, that they pay taxes on. Most of the people that you see that do own large tracts of land live out in rural areas and farm country. What we're seeing is that it's becoming increasingly difficult for these farmers to be able to hold on to their property, pay the taxes on their property, pay their mortgage, um, you know, if they don't already own their property outright. Um, and what sometimes happens is they'll also take a tax break. You know, they'll pay a 20% decrease on their taxes by having it uh, considered as current use uh, farming property. And if something ever happens, um, you know, someone gets sick and they're not able to farm or, uh, you know, they're not making enough profit. They, you know, have several years of lost profit and they eventually just have to get out and file bankruptcy. Uh, they end up losing their property. And what happens is they end up having to pay, you know, three years back on back taxes at a 10% increase. So, you know, sometimes they'll all of a sudden owe 30 grand in back taxes. And if they already have had, you know, three or four years of no profit with their farm, they're just basically screwed and they end up losing their farm. And, you know, I, I can't imagine being in a situation where we would end up losing the farm that my great grandparents started in 1913. You know, my grandparents, my, my grandfather was born here. My father was born and raised here on this farm. Uh, and now I'm raising my kids here on the same farm. And I couldn't imagine being in a situation where we were quote unquote sold out to mm. government grants and loans to end up losing it in the end for doing nothing but just, you know, trying to farm our own property. So if the government uh, takes over all these places, then where does the food come from, though? Are, are, is the government going to purport that they're going to provide the food? <laughs> well, you know, they, they say, uh, and, and this has actually happened throughout history several times, uh, not too long, you know, in, in, in our own grandparents' history, this happened. And, you know, the saying goes that when you control the food, you control the people. You know and it. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of that old movie uh, where they handed out the wafers to everybody, right? right? What's right, that called? Right. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> in the cheese and last, bread line. Uh, last, you know, you could say the last 50 years, but definitely in the last 10, 15 years, there's been a, a big push in this country, um, you know, uh, in the food industry to move away from, uh, from real local food. Food, real food being available locally at, a, at an affordable price. I mean, mm -hmm. you think about like what we're talking about with the farmers, where the farmer himself or herself, they make uh, the least amount of profit off of their own produce and they incur the biggest cost. Uh, you know, they have to have all sorts of licenses just to be able to bring the food to market. Uh, that being said, when you walk into a food co-op or even the grocery store into the uh, organic food section, organic produce section, you're paying a premium, which I believe only a certain demographic can afford mm, real right, organic food anywhere yeah. that you go to buy it. Um, and you're talking about, you know, basically the wealthy. Um, I don't see a whole lot of middle class families that have kids, you know, buying all of their food from the organic section. Um, you know, one of the reasons that we grow our own food here on our farm is so that I can feed my kids fresh vegetables, because quite honestly, even though I have a full time job, you know, that pays our mortgage and pays our taxes and the farming is kind of secondary to us. 
I still wouldn't be able to afford <clears throat> to go into a grocery store or a co-op and buy outright 100% organic food for my family. I have to grow it in order to eat that way, in order to eat healthy. So there's a good portion, a good percentage of the country that does not have access to that food. Uh, yeah, Matt, thanks uh, for being with us today on the air. Um, it's uh, really interesting stuff to hear about the farming. And, it, you know, in, in the last 30 seconds, sum up the remaining time we have in the program here. How would you sum up, you know, the importance of what's going on in the farming community and how people can uh, get more involved in, in a more positive direction? What are your thoughts on that with your experience with the farm? Well, uh, I know locally here uh, where I am, there's uh, a very positive uh, young farming community with, that is very conscious about a lot of the things that I've been talking about here. And um, I know that there is, uh, uh, I, I think that it's, it's in the early stages, but I think that there's enough consciousness where there's going to be some sort of movement yeah, it seems that way. in the farming, in the farming community. I think that there's going to be a, a movement in the farming community where more people are going to adopt a model like what we have done here, where we don't have any grants, we, we actually pay a normal tax rate, we don't, uh, you know, we haven't asked or applied for any type of tax break for right. agriculture. So we pay uh, full, full price tax, uh, we pay our mortgage and we pay our prop, um, homeowners insurance. And so we don't really feel like we're uh, obligated to anyone, like any type of government regulations, uh, we're able to do whatever we want pretty much with our farm. Um, and I think that a lot of the younger uh, farming generation, you know, some of them have actually gone to school for agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there is a movement uh, getting being started. Yeah, uh, basically. it seems that way. I know you and I have talked a little bit about some of those changes yeah. and trends, which is great. Yeah, well, you, I uh, think you know, I see a lot of young families really, really thinking about land stewardship, meaning uh, basically buying their own property, paying taxes on it, farming it and doing whatever they want with their produce right, and not being right. regulated as much. And that really comes down to stewardship. And it's, it's uh, much more difficult, I think, because it, is it re because it requires you to have some sort of income to be able to pay your taxes so that you're kind of left alone right. to do what you want without being uh, obligated and, and, and so forth, uh, or obligated and therefore regulated, right. uh, you know, to the government. Excellent. Well, well, well thanks. Matt, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. We appreciate you coming on, and we hope to have you back again soon. Keep up the good fight. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for your time, Matt. It was great talking to you. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in one more time, even if you thought we were too funny today. <laughs> Stick around for We the People, the Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Philadelphia, I'll be joining as the legal analyst. Stay safe. Have a blessed weekend, folks. Cobra in a can.